receive Beyond the Bale magazine? Well, if you're listening to this podcast and don't receive or read this free wool industry publication every three months, either in the mail or even online, then you'd probably really like it. In this edition of The Yarn, we hear from its longtime editor, Richard Smith, who this month celebrates his 75th edition in charge of what is a flagship publication for stories across research, development and marketing at Australian Wool Innovation and Woolmark. Welcome to The Yarn, the number one wool industry podcast. I'm Marius Cumming and let's hear from Richard who relocated from Australia to his native UK some time ago, a country still very much in the grip of COVID-19. Yeah, look, COVID's been been really bad here in the UK. There's been about 60,000 deaths so far, and that compares to about 900 in Australia, so you can see the scale of things. Um, New cases are dropping, but there's still about 15,000 new cases a day and about 500 deaths a day. And It's a similar sort of situation across Europe, especially in in France and Italy. It's still pretty bad, but uh, all the countries in Europe are are badly affected. Um, England's just coming out of a its second national lockdown um, and in that national lockdown all non-essential shops were shut and that includes clothing shops um, so but we're just coming out of that national lockdown now but we're going into regional restrictions um, and, and that means that the clothing shops will be will be open again retail sales have uh, generally recovered uh, they're seven percent higher now than they were in February but and it's a big but unfortunately it's the clothing store sales are still below pre-pandemic levels. It's about 14% below pre-pandemic levels. And that's due to the you know, closure of shops um, and low footfall during local uh, restrictions have, have had a big, big effect. Just today, in fact, um, it was announced that uh, Debenhams, which is um, a big clothing and department store that's been running for 242 years, that's, that's shutting down. It's 124 shops across the country going. And the Arcadia Group is also closing down. Um, that's, that has shops like um, uh, Dorothy Perkins and, and Topshop and, and Burton's. So um, yeah, it, it's been it's been pretty bad. And um, in terms of premium wool clothing, um, yeah, it, obviously suiting and formal attire have been badly hit, uh, with people being restricted uh, there working from home and spending a lot of leisure time at home. And um, a lot of the uh, foreign tourists, like from China and Japan and um, Arabia, they, they usually um, spend a lot of money in, in the department stores buying a lot of premium wool apparel. So they, they haven't been visiting. And so that, that means that uh, sales have been down as well. Um, but there are positives. Uh, it's not all, all negative. Um, there has been quite a big increase in purchasing online uh that that's really taken off uh the knitwear sector has been pretty resistant um the accessories such as uh gloves and um scarves and hats that's those are those are still pretty popular um there's new sectors like the loungewear sector so what people wear at home has increased and um yeah and overall people actually do have money to spend um because people haven't been able to go out to pubs and restaurants and social occasions, if you've managed to hold on to your job, people actually do have money. So that's a positive. Um, it's just uh, trying to persuade these people to part with that money <laughs> in, uh, in, in, our, in our sector. 
Yes. Oh, that's a good summary. Thank you, Richard. Uh, tell us a, a little bit about the UK office and and where you where you fit into that and the yeah the everyday life for you over there at the moment. Yeah, I'm based up in up in the north of England, so. Um... I actually work from a home office, uh, but yes, we have our London office, uh, which uh, has probably about uh, eight or eight to ten people in there. Uh, we also work very closely with the with the French office in in Paris. We have uh, regular meetings together via video conferencing uh, three times a week, so we're always uh, in communication, even though we we are apart. And uh, of course, with these lockdowns, a lot of the London office and the French office are working from home as well. So um, it's pretty much of a muchness. But we we're all in in, in contact with each other and and regularly speak uh, with CEO Stuart McCulloch as well. Um, and also uh, members from the Italian office. Yeah, and how does moving from Australia to the UK, which is obviously much closer to uh, the consuming end of the wool industry, how has it changed your perception of the industry itself and and of AWI? Yeah, interesting question. Uh, I think one of the um, positives of me actually not being in the, in the Sydney office is that it does give me a new perspective on, on the company um, in a positive way. Um, I'm able to, to look at the company from a bit, perhaps a bit more objectively, perhaps a bit more how, how a wool grower would look at it. Um, and yes, just because I, I talk to uh, the London office regularly, um, I'm, I'm very aware of, of how the markets are going and, and how we can work with brands to, to increase the demand for wool here in these uh, key northern hemisphere lucrative markets. Yes. It's been very, very, very beneficial, I think. Yes, it would be very interesting to be to be at the at the other end, and obviously that uh, that UK office has been there for many years and has has a great history. So, look, it is December. Um, Beyond the Bale is, I think you said, was being is is being printed right now. Um, tell us a little bit about this particular edition and what number edition is this now that you've edited. Uh, this December edition that's at the printers now, it's, it's just coming off the presses in Adelaide, um, it's issue number 85. Uh, and I, I started on, I think, issue nine. So I think that makes uh, this one or the next one my 75th edition, which is um, I don't know, a bit of a milestone, I guess. Um, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's as with every edition, it's, uh, it's packed full of, full of good stuff. Well, it is, it is a very well respected and looked forward to publication that, that hits people's mailboxes and sits on kitchen tables and gets opened and closed and looked at and discussed. And every survey we do, people always uh, mention me on the bail as, as, as one of uh, their main ways to hear about uh, AW, uh, AWI and the wool industry in general, Richard. So thank you for your work. But um, it has changed a bit over the years, hasn't it, um, in different ways? Um, yeah, I mean, it was was very much uh, a hard copy publication, and it still is. Uh, about 40,000 copies get posted out every quarter to uh, wool growers and wool industry stakeholders. Um, it did used to be produced uh, externally through external consultants, but we brought that in-house primarily to uh, minimise costs. So it's it's written in-house and it's designed and laid out by our own graphic design team. 
um, yeah, primarily to, to reduce costs, as I say. So each individual magazine arriving at a Woolgrove property costs, in terms of production and postal costs, only about two, $2. I was almost said two pounds then, but no, two dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is pretty good value for money. When you consider, you know, what what any other regular magazine would cost, this costs just two pound two dollars, and it's delivered to to, um, to the Walkers property. Um, there is also uh, an interactive online version, which has links to uh, videos, and we recently started uploading individual articles to the AWI website. Uh, and sharing them on our new AWI Facebook page. So that's um, that's been good. And AWI is also developing a new app, which will be rolled out soon. And that app will include Beyond the Bale articles. So we are catering for both those Woolgoers who prefer the hard copy and those who prefer more of the online experience. It's available um, in either. It's up to you as a Woolgoer which uh, medium you prefer, or both. A lot of people get both. So, yeah, talk us through some of your favourite articles in, in this coming edition. Yeah, there's, there's, um, there's some good ones. Uh, there's the results and advice from a project looking into the extent of blowfly resistance to fly strike insecticides. That's actually a four-page story. Um, it's in, an increasingly important subject. Got a story about the launch of uh, the Shearing Shed Safety Program uh, involving AWI, uh, but we cover all all the key areas of interest to wool growers: sheep health and welfare, combating wild dogs, genetics, shear and wool hander training, um, and a lot of marketing initiatives to increase the demand for wool. The cover story uh, involve has David Ward, wool growers David Ward of Spring Ponds near Goulburn on it. He featured in AWRI's new Phil Marino marketing campaign, which, if you haven't heard about, that's a campaign aimed at increasing the U.S. consumer's awareness of Merino wool's next-to-skin softness and suitability for the outdoor sector. A key element of that campaign is a collaboration with Amazon.com. So we're driving consumers to purchase commercially available product on Amazon. Um, but I do have a personal favorite article, Marius. Um, I won't tell you the name of the wool grower and I won't tell you the name of the brand. I'll wait for you to read it in the edition. But it's a very interesting article about a wool grower who read an article in Beyond the Bale in 2007. And he read an article about a particular UK clothing brand. And the wool grower was inspired to contact this brand. And they struck up a relationship and the wool grower is now supplying wool directly to that brand. And last month, the brand released a fully traceable line of clothing that showcases the journey of wool from that wool grower's property all the way through to the final garment. So that line of wool clothing came about purely as a result of a particular wool grower reading an article in Beyond the Bale, which pleases me very, very much. <laughs> oh, well <laughs> done. That is story. Quite... Yeah, that and, is terrific. Uh, please look out for it. Oh, that's wonderful. I'll, I'll really enjoy uh, reading that one. And uh, yeah, hats off to you for that, that particular one. That's uh, terrific. Isn't it nice when those things come together like that and that sort of serendipity? Yeah, I, I, was, I was very happy to read about that. And I think it's great for the wool grower. I think most wool growers have a dream of, of seeing their own wool in a, 
you know, fully traceable line of clothing so they can hold up a piece of clothing or put it on and they know that, wow, that, that wool came from my sheep. It's, um, yeah, I think that's, that's where the, the industry is growing, going, um, and we look forward to more of it. Well, you are a, a very interested uh, and interesting observer of the industry. Are you more sort of upbeat about the future of wool um, than you were perhaps 75 editions ago? Um, yes, yes, I think I am. Um, the growing issue, well, it's not a growing issue. It's, it's, it's here now and it's whacked us in the face is, is, is sustainability. And, uh, wool has a, a great story to tell, uh, about its natural biodegradable and renewable properties. Um, when I speak to the, you know, the UK team about what the brands are talking about, it's all sustainability, sustainability, sustainability. Um, and wool really does have a great future, it being a, a natural fibre. If you'd said you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, that wool's biodegradability would be one of its selling points, uh, I would have laughed you in the face. Biodegradability, that sounds a bit, a bit yucky, really, but it's actually one of wool's greatest selling points at the moment. It's amazing how things change. It is. It's great that wool could fall apart and return back to nature. Yeah. So uh, that's wonderful. Well, Richard, apart from you know possibly forty thousand wool growers now contacting you, wanting to put their wool into certain lines of clothing with certain brands, um, how do people get in touch with you to 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 put their story in this lovely publication? Well, email is is certainly the best, uh, given the. Um, the time difference. Uh, my email address is very simple. It's richard.smith at wool.com. Richard.smith at wool.com. So, yes, please get in touch with me if you have any ideas for stories or have any great photos. I'm always uh, very happy to, to listen and uh, I'll, I'll always get back to you, um, rest assured. And you do get quite a bit of feedback about beyond the bale as it is don't you yeah yeah we, we do we we also do um an annual survey of, of wool growers um to see about what communication mediums they like and and uh, yeah beyond the bale always uh has has some extremely good feedback it is uh they, they get a, a lot of um, value from it but yes we get individual emails and, and phone calls as well um some of them just saying job well done some of them with suggestions and, and some constructive advice and uh so yeah always welcome excellent richard well look all the best for um what may be another uh, winter of discontent in the uk and hopefully uh this vaccine turns up and the lockdown works for you and uh thanks for your work and Thanks for having me on with us. Thanks, Marius. Richard Smith, editor of Beyond the Bale magazine. And to receive your free copy, head to wool.com and hit the About AWI tab. Feedback and suggestions directly to Richard at richard.smith at wool.com, as he said, and also to the yarn at the yarn at wool.com. You can follow us on Wool Innovation on Twitter, as nearly 7,000 others do, or on Facebook and Instagram. And so for this episode of The Yarn, and from me, Marius Cumming, goodbye, and thanks for your company. Music.